How's that? Oh, 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 we're on the air? Okay. Oh, well, hey, welcome everyone to a very special episode of Movies and Brews. Ugh, line. It's, it's, it's the Movies and Brews radio program hour. Oh, God, I knew that. God, I always embarrassing myself in front of all these people. Okay, roll right. it again. Welcome back, everybody, to the Movies and Brews radio program hour. I'm your host, Jordan. Sitting across from me here is my co-host, Daniel. Well, hello, hello, Los Angeles. We are sitting in the studio here, and outside it's 86 degrees, sunny, and a little bit of fog. So stay indoors if you don't need to be outdoors, or the fog might get you. We got a very special program episode for you today. We're going to be talking the new Once Upon a Time in Hollywood movie with this up-and-coming director here, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, yes, one of those up-and-comers out of Hollywood, one of those young punks trying to make a name for himself. I gotta tell you, Daniel, I'm pretty excited about this one. I mean, it has got a star-studded cast this one has. I mean, you got everybody from Leonardo DiCaprio to Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, the gorgeous and beautiful Margot Robbie, as well as Luke Perry from that show about Beverly Hills. Oh my my, yes. As well as just a whole bunch of others. We do have that star-studded cast, and I think uh, if you're trying to beat the heat, you might want to check out your nearest Cineplex if you got one. Otherwise, see it at the drive-thru. Everybody, sit back, relax, grab that favorite beverage of yours, and let's talk some 1969 Hollywood. Cheers! Well, Daniel, I don't know about you, but I'm very excited uh, for this episode. I'm excited to talk this new movie. Before we get started, though, let's talk about what we're drinking here today. Yep, it was Jordan's week to bring something for beer and tell. So, Jordan, what'd you bring us? Well, here's that we're going back to 1969 Hollywood. I wanted to find something that they probably drank back then. I found this company called Anchor Steam Beer, and I got what I think is just a lager, some kind of lager of theirs. At least this company's been around since the 1800s, so okay, quite a while now. They're based out of San Francisco. But yeah, what do you think? It's interesting, very basic, but just it's a back to basics beer for us. But yeah, it's just a classic very lager, multi, a, multi. Yeah, it has like an older like look to it too. I don't know, it's pretty good. I think it fits the setting. I give the credit to my friend Trevor Lawman. He's the one that suggested it. So, cheers to Trevor. Cheers. Let's get started here. Let's talk about some movie news. Daniel, take it away. Movie news. That's that's our old timey time movie news since we're in the sixties now. Um, if I can find my movie news, there it is. I have it right here. So the first thing that I'm going to mention is that I don't know what Jordan's doing. What you're doing. But I Spider Man. Oh, the box office. What? I'm just goofing off. Well stop doing what you're doing. It's distract. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the first thing we all need to know is that, that horrifying Sonic movie got pushed back again. Got R- pushed again? Back. It got pushed back to March instead of February. So okay. only a month. Only a month. Okay, well, you know, if that's what they need to make it halfway presentable. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. So that's just, uh, we'll see if they can still fix that CGI. But they pushed it back a little bit farther. All right, so 
Um, and next we have is the Matt Reeves Batman will be shot by the same cinematographer from the Foxcatcher and Rogue One. His name is Greg Frazier. And I really like Rogue One. I like the cinematography in that. So I don't know. It's like a whole different thing. I've never seen the Foxcatcher, though. Is that Steve Carell? Is that maybe Am I thinking of the right movie? I don't know. But cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, we have the Irishman from, shit, what's his name? Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese uh, is premiering at the New York Film Festival on September 27th. So in September, people are going to start seeing this movie. I really hope we get a theatrical release. I know that it's going to go to Netflix, but I hope they release it theatrically because I definitely want to see this there on the big screen. There is no way that Netflix is not going to release a Martin Scorsese movie theatrically Holy. to at least a few. I mean... Do it, make it. They might as well. They'll get their money back opening weekend guarantee. Yeah. And then from yeah, and it becomes a contender for the Oscars. Exactly. I mean, they're they're going to release the theatrical. Because I know Roma got like small release, but yeah, put this in theaters everywhere. Because yeah, anyway, want to see this? I can't wait. Yes. Now that now that we've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think this is probably my next anticipated movie. Yeah, and speaking of, you know, things that will make a lot of money. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home crosses $1 billion for Marvel and Disney. Jeez. And if that wasn't enough, uh, Aladdin also crosses the $1 billion mark for Marvel and Disney. And I was surprised. I didn't think Aladdin was going to make a billion dollars. But apparently either. that's just... that's My gosh, they are going to set a record probably this year because they've had Captain Marvel, Endgame, Spider-Man, Aladdin, soon-to-be Lion King... For sure, Frozen will make a billion. And Star Wars. And Star Wars. Gosh, what else? Is there anything else this year they got that was huge? But even those, though. I mean, if all of those crossed the big B, plus Endgame that made close to three, I think they are going to set some new records this year. That's crazy. That's just crazy. I know. So apparently anything that uh, Disney puts out in front of us is gold. Well, Not awesome. Product being gold is debatable versus just the gold that they make off it. Oh, I didn't say it was gold. <laughs> I mean, it's just... Yeah. Oh, well. And then the last thing I have for movie news is that we had an actor death. Jeremy Kemp died July 19th. And he was known for movies... Oh, he was known, he was in Star Trek The Next Generation for an episode. He was one of the characters, and he's been in uh, older movies and TV shows like The Masquerade, George Washington, The Adventure of Sherlock Holmes. He's been a lot of, he was a lot in a lot of older TV shows, and even stuff leading up to, well, looks like around, you know, 1994. So he was like early TVs up until like the late 90s. But he died this uh, past week. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. All right. Was that your last one you said? Yeah, that's pretty much all I got right now for movie news. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing the movie news here, Daniel. Let's move on to Weekly Look Back, where we discuss other things we've seen this week. I've got a few here. I'm going to save two of them for next week because it's going to go hand in hand with something else I'm seeing this week. Okay. But yeah, I've got two to talk about. Okay. I've got a couple things to talk about myself. Okay. Uh, you want to go first? Sure. So the first thing that I watched this week was actually 
I had started this a few like with my family, but then we only watched half of it. So I went back and started it and watched it with my girlfriend yesterday. But we watched Ratatouille, and I hadn't seen this movie in I think probably since it came out in theaters. But I had recently bought it, so we checked it out. And man, this movie's just so much fun. It's Pixar, like really picking up steam. I forgot how good of a movie this was, and I really enjoy it a lot. It's not one that you hear talked about as much as some of the other bigger ones, but it's still a really great movie, and it definitely should be revisited like periodically. That's a fun one. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, it's Pixar, so it's definitely one of their classics I'd consider. But yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. One thing I love about that movie, too, is the cinematography from whether the camera is following the rat around or just you seeing it from his point of view. I love the cinematography in this movie. Oh, no, it's great. All over the kitchen and everything. Good stuff. So let's see. I got a couple here. So leading up to you know our talk for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know I've been so giddy about this. I decided to watch a Tarantino film. Uh-huh. I sat down and watched Kill Bill Volume One. Yeah, I didn't get around to the second part yet, but I watched part one. Daniel and I talked about it a couple weeks ago, so we won't get too heavy into it. But yeah, great movie. Haven't watched it in a while. I don't know. I love the this movie quite a bit. I mean, just everything for the characters. I love. I forgot how much I love Lucy Liu's character. Uh-huh. She is just great in this. Uh, and I forgot how much I really enjoyed her origin story. I love how they go show it through a flashback, but it's all done in anime. Yeah, it's something that I thought was really cool when I was watching it. I thought I meant I might not have mentioned it when we were talking about it, but that was a very cool moment that it just kind of flips. And, and yeah, and like in the early 2000s, I saw this movie a few times. I probably haven't watched it in the last... It's probably been close to 10 years since I've seen this movie, so there's a little uh-huh. bit of detail I forgot about. I forgot that her parents were murdered in front of her. Well, not true. I, for, I forgot the graphic violence of the, like even in the cartoon how they show blood splatter. Yeah. I, I well maybe I forgot about her dad because the the image from that cartoon that has stuck with me through time has been her lying underneath the bed. You hear the sword go through her mother, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you see drops of blood hitting her face. That yep. image has just stuck with me all these years. Yeah, no, it was crazy. But yeah, it's just a good fun movie. And yeah, can't wait to watch part two and finish it. So yeah, that was just a little something to while I was waiting around for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to come premiere. Okay, all right, cool. Well, uh, the next thing that I have to talk about is actually not a movie, but I like the this actually just premiered on the twenty sixth, and I watched the whole series. So I thought I'd talk about it. But I watched the Amazon Prime series, The Boys. Essentially, nice. quick synopsis is about a bunch of dick superheroes run by a, a corporation. And it was actually really cool. I'd say that the first two or three episodes go by a little slow because they're doing most of the world setup in those two to three episodes. So I would say if you think those are boring, it does pick up. You just have to you know, get through the setup. And then you get into a lot of good stuff. There's still a lot of good stuff in those first three episodes, too. But overall, I really enjoyed the series. Watched it with a buddy of mine. And, you know, I've seen all the Marvel movies. So I thought it'd be fun to, you know, watch all these. Essentially, they're all parodies of the Justice League. But it was a lot of fun. Had a lot of interesting concept that I think uh, really kind of makes it, like, held me in. Was just the concept of, like, how this would work. How it would work with an actual society. But yeah, I don't know. If you're interested or, you know, never heard about it, I'd check out The Boys on Amazon. Yeah, that looked cool. I definitely am looking forward to checking it out. First, I got to finish season three of Stranger Things. I still haven't quite finished that yet, but coming probably by next week, actually. Yeah. But yeah. Awesome. So I got one more movie here. I was assigned a film. 
last week, if you remember, Daniel assigned me the way, way back. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Starring. Let me pull it up here. Sorry, I was not as prepared. Sam Rockwell. Did you mention it was starring Sam Rockwell? Sam Rockwell. Daniel? I'm, uh, I'm counting this out. <laughs> it's just... Starring Steve Carell, Tony Collette, Allison Janney, Steve, uh, Sam Rockwell, and Lily... Was it Liam James? Yeah, Liam James. So yeah, I gotta say, this was a fun movie, Daniel. I'm glad you assigned it to me. Yeah, this came out a few years ago, and I think you mentioned this last time. It's like, wanted to see it and just never got around to it. Well, yeah, still didn't get around to it, obviously. But yeah, yeah Daniel signed it to me, so here we are. I liked it. There's a lot of good laughs throughout. I love just the whole startup of it. It's just like him and his, I guess, well, it's, I guess the step, eh, it's not step dad. It's just mom's boyfriend. Yeah. They're all driving to the coast to go stay for, for the summer. Right. Conversation is just great, though. Steve Carell plays a... It's funny seeing Steve Carell in this role. He was probably my favorite character in this. I don't know why. It was just funny watching him being kind of a D-bag. Yeah, because I think this is the only this is the only role I've ever seen Steve Carell actually being like a jerk. It was so much fun for some reason just watching him be a jerk. In the opening car scene, he's asking him, So Duncan, on a scale of a 1 to 10, what would you rate yourself? He's just like, I don't know, 6 maybe? You know, I think you're more of a 3. And he just kind of goes into all these, like, why he's a three. I mean, yeah. I, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> There's parts like that. And I love, like, when they first get to the place, you have uh, Betty come out of her house next door. And he's just like, oh, Christ, are you serious? Yeah. That's <laughs> just so good. But, yeah, I love watching him and uh, Tony Collette. It was fun watching the, the two of them be a couple. Yeah. I enjoy this movie quite a bit. And, yeah, Sam Rockwell, great as always. Yeah, everything that happens in the water park is great. And I, yeah, I love when he's like taking around, showing him things, yeah. and they go down the, you know, he goes down the slide and loses the shorts. But yeah, but anyway, just introducing him to everything. Like when he's talking to that uh, one guy who keeps, he, I forget his name, the character's name, but he keeps saying like, "I'm gonna get out of here someday." Like he's like, "Yeah, whatever." He's been saying that for like since 2003. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. It was just funny. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good movie. I mean, I'm a sucker for coming-of-age movies. I really like them a lot, and I think this is one of my, my favorites. It's a, it's a really good movie. Yeah, no, it was, it was very enjoyable. Glad you made me watch it. It's glad to finally, I'm glad to just finally see it. But yes, the way, way back. And I knew, if nothing else, you would love Sam Rockwell in this, because his character is amazing, and we're both a ride-or-die for Sam Rockwell. Yeah. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, because we have it on our, our movie library accounts, but... Yeah, I don't think it's. I think you just rent it though for like three or four dollars off Amazon. But yeah, if you haven't seen the way way back, I say check it out. Yeah, no, definitely. Why don't we move on into our movie of the week? I'm very excited about this one, Daniel. Let's talk some Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hollywood. We're gonna break for commercial real quick, but we'll be back in a jiffy. Has your crotch started itching at weird times? Don't want the missus to see you scratching your pants at the dinner table. Mm. Well, <laughs> oh, it's myself well, going on here. Oh, 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 we had all pre recorded commercials. Great. Four men on a search, each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering. Numero uno, the new thing in colognes for men. In all the world, there are 
only four basic masculine scents. Here's the best of each. Numero uno gold. Numero uno green. Numero uno red. Numero uno silver. Four numero uno colognes. All different, all wild. Find yours with a searcher kit, a jigger of each scent. Then get a full-size bottle of the one that makes it for you. Numero uno. Ladies and gentlemen, the beat goes on. KHJ Los Angeles. 3.31 in Los Angeles. This is the real Don Steve. I know Okay, well, Daniel, let's let's get into some Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't know about you, but I am very excited to talk to this movie. This was my number one anticipated movie of the year. And I got to say, it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be, or how, how should I say it? It didn't like, unfold the way I thought it was going to unfold, but I was not disappointed. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's just well, Daniel sounds very excited. Why don't I uh, start off here? So yes, we're talking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, written directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring the likes of Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Tiffany Oliphant, Margaret Qualley, who you would know her from The Nice Guys. She plays Ryan Gosling's daughter. Right. You She's, told me about that. Yeah, she plays Pussycat in this. Right. Al Pacino, Kurt Russell's in it. I mean, the list goes on and on. You've got Luke Perry, uh, I guess introducing, I think she's been in a few things, but Julia Butters, she was the one that played uh, Trudy, the little eight-year-old girl, right. the one on the set. So yeah, huge cast. I mean, this is just so much fun watching all these cameos pop up. I loved it. Yeah. So yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So let's read you a quick summary here. In a tribute to the final moments of Hollywood's golden age, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood visits 1969 Los Angeles, where everything is changing, as TV star Rick Dalton and his longtime stunt double Cliff Booth make their way around an industry they hardly recognize anymore. Yes. So, Daniel, what are your initial thoughts here going in? And just what do you think as a quick brief summary? So, uh, going in, like, I was on the hype train with you, Jordan. Every time I saw this trailer, which is a great trailer. Every time I saw it, I just got more and more excited. I'm like, this is going to be, like, if nothing else, like, my worst case scenario for this movie is, if nothing else, this is going to be a nice break from what everything else that's coming out in the summer will be. Like, you just know it's going to be something different. You kind of have some, like, sus- sus- suspicions on what's going to be in the movie. Since it's from Quentin Tarantino, he has a style. He has like some tropes and stuff that he likes to use, like every director. But it's just I all I knew is I it was gonna be a break. It wasn't gonna be like anything I had seen earlier this year, and probably not anything I'm gonna see past this year, past this point. So at least if nothing else, since we go to the movies every week, it was gonna be different. So that automatically bumps it up in anticipation. Now it was quite a bit different and like subverted a lot of my expectations and how the movie played out and how like how it was which Tarantino will do that yeah exactly how it played out and also how um the pacing of it I guess that's what I'm looking for but overall I still enjoyed it and I think I would enjoy it more on a second viewing but yeah I guess that's uh that's what I got thoughts yeah I mean I kind of summed up my initial thoughts here the trailers uh, trailer one sold me I loved it so much 
But yeah, you got two great trailers, great cast. I mean, DiCaprio hasn't been in a movie in three and a half years. His last movie was The Revenant back in 2015. Okay. Won his Oscar and then said, hey, I need a break. I mean, who could blame him? I mean, he's been in great stuff all these years for the most part, I would say. Why not? I mean, if anything, he's like talking to his agent like, hey, you know what? I'm going to take a little bit of break now that I got my Oscar. If a good script comes in, let me know. And it took a Quentin Tarantino script to get him back. Yeah, you know, and Leonardo DiCaprio, he's been in everything. He deserved a break, but also it's just, he's one of the only true movie stars we still currently have. Like, he's just up there. Totally agree, yeah. But yeah, what a cast. I mean, it's so much fun just watching everybody. I mean, the, I'll talk the main three mostly, which obviously is DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. But I thought everybody was just great in their roles. Uh, I loved watching just all the small um, cameos throughout, just everybody. Uh-huh. And whether it be a medium role or a small role or a large role, everybody, I thought, fit their role perfectly. Yeah. Lots of little characters sprinkled throughout this movie. And this film, this film had a really good, like, fluid transition from one character to the next, too. Yeah. So, although, like you were saying, it was a little bit of a slow burn, it's still, you know, we're watching the day in the life of some characters, and I thought it was still had good fluid transition, if that makes sense. Which actually, that's not something I knew going into the movie, is I didn't realize it was described by Quentin Tarantino himself as, like, a day in the life of these characters. So that actually would make a lot more sense of what happens and how it happens in the movie had I known that before. But I did not know. And I thought, yeah, everything from the the cast to the sets to the wardrobe, I thought everything was just perfect. I mean, it felt like we were transported back in time to 1969 Hollywood. Yeah. And I got to say, Los Angeles itself kind of played a character of, in and of its own. Yeah, I would say so. But yeah, I thought they did just a great job. Um yeah, it's going to be really hard to talk this without spoilers, so we're only going to talk about it probably pretty quickly without going into spoilers and hit spoilers. But yeah, all I can say is I had a really good time at the theater. Uh, there were, I'm going to make a quick note here. Two ladies did not have a good time. Nope, <laughs> so Daniel and I went and saw this Thursday night, opening night, and it's so funny. I think we're probably 30 minutes into the movie. I think it was it was the scene, which we saw this in the trailer, so it's not giving anything away. You see Brad Pitt on a roof, take a shirt off, and he's trying to you know work on antenna up there mm-hmm. anyway i got two old ladies next behind us i think they're probably around 75 or something like that and i hear one yeah. of them turn to a friend and go i don't like this movie and then about probably 15 minutes later they both get up and leave yeah what made them leave was patented tarantino over the top cursing out a character and then they just got up and they left and they didn't come back Right, it, it, I, don't know. I just thought that was hilarious. I'm like, what did you think you're getting into? You're going to rated R Quentin Tarantino film. What did you think you're getting into? That I think they just heard like old timing, like 1960s Hollywood, and they're like, oh, this will be like an Audrey Hepburn movie. Let's go see it. Nope, not even close. And the yeah, when, real Hollywood. Yeah, and when there wasn't any like love interest and things like that, they were probably just like, huh, well, that's not what I thought it was going to be at all. No. Anyway, that's just a quick read side the note. movie reviews, right? Or at least something to give you a better idea. Something if you go out, have to go or read why it's R. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it was just fun to see you know Quentin Tarantino. Like, I mean, I really think for Tarantino, it's weird saying this, but it felt like a mature movie for him, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I would say so. Like, it's, it feels different than it feels Tarantino-y. And some aspects, like the dialogue and the cursing, feels like Tarantino. And how the characters interact, that's like classic Tarantino. But like 
that's like what comes out the most and just like there's not over the top action it's just all story based and you're just following a couple characters going through their lives yep yeah it's just a day in the life of a few characters and i had a good time watching it again i wasn't sure where what was happening and where the story was going to go and things like that or how we're going to get from point a to point b but like you were saying i think upon a rewatch now that i know what to expect upon a rewatch i think i'm going to like this a lot more the second time around i think so and one of the things that i was like oh man i should like as soon as they flashed the first date on the screen because it takes place i think over like the course of like six months to a year not well, quite a year. Well, so most of the movie takes place over a course of... Uh, is that talking spoilers, though? Well, okay. I get, all right. Let's wait. Well, we'll wait on that. But um, one of the things was, you know, like the backdrop is the Charlie Manson and the the murder of Sharon Tate is the the backdrop going in. It's, you know, that's you get that from the trailers. Um, let's get on this. Mm-hmm. It's actually a pretty tasty beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I had something. Mm-hmm. Sharon Tate. Sharon. Charles. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Story. All right, okay, yeah, yeah. So, something that I wish I had actually looked up beforehand, because once they flashed the first date on screen, I thought, I'm like, oh man, I wish I had n- knew going on. But since the backdrop is the Charlie Manson murders of Sharon Tate, I wish I had known the date in which. Sharon Tate actually got murdered, so I would kind of like have a better framing for the to like how how long we're gonna follow these characters before we get to the big like murder. But yeah, so that's one thing that I wish I had known going in, just so I could track things like events a little bit more and place them in like a timeline a little bit better in my head while I was watching. Yeah, which makes me think upon viewing number two, it'll just be a lot better now that we know what to expect. I think there's gonna I'm gonna like those first. The third act, don't get me wrong, was um, we're not gonna talk about it yet, but was just amazing. I love the third act very much so in this movie. Uh, but yeah, I think I will like and appreciate the first two acts a lot more upon second viewing. But yeah, what I just uh, what a fun movie though. Like I just love going back to 1969 Hollywood. Right. It was just kind of fun to just yeah go in the day, you know, just see the snippet of the day in the life of these actors and st- his stunt double. I loved everybody's performance in this. I mean, I thought Leo and Brad Pitt were just both just so good. Yeah. Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth here. I loved just watching, you know, even when they go their separate ways, like at the end of the day, seeing like their different lifestyles and things like that. It was just fun. You know, everything is just so perfect. Like everybody's cars, like there's a lot of time spent in cars, which I actually kind of like that. And everybody's cars, I didn't think about this till recently, everybody's cars kind of complements and tells their story too, based on what kind of car they're driving. Yeah. So th- that was kind of cool. Um, let's see here. What can we talk about without spoiling? I just, I don't want to ruin this movie for anybody. I would, hopefully they can sense our excitement, or at least my excitement for this yeah. movie. I um, thought this movie was great. I thought it was kind of a mixture, if I had to mix it up a little bit, between Pulp Fiction and Glorious Bastards and Big Lebowski. Kind of if you were to take all those and kind of mix it up, especially mixing like having the humor sprinkled throughout and the type of humor it was, it was very Lebowski-ish. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't know. I just got to see it again. I got to see it again. But yeah, no, there's something that I was appreciating. I think they did it really well. And like you get the natural humor you get from a couple of friends hanging out. You get like just a, a lot of fun humor sprinkled throughout with all the characters interacting with each other, as it should. None of it felt forced. It all felt organic and just fun 
and like you know like you would expect that from a couple long time best friends to be like making fun jokes and joking around with each other and it felt natural and i really like that yeah uh i don't know i almost just want to jump into spoilers here because there's really not a way to not ruin this movie and i don't want to ruin it for anybody okay well so. we can just say i think both of us can safely say like yes you should go check out this movie especially if you're a diehard quentin tarantino fan i think it's worth your time it may not be exact like the over-the-top action that you love him for but i think there's something that anybody that could appreciate for this movie so yes we'll, we'll we're just gonna hop into spoilers so yes uh all right so yeah we're gonna go to quick commercial break here and we'll be back to talk spoilers i only want you to listen to this uh, commercial if you're under 25 it's about new tanya tanning butter the suntan product with no sunscreen added uh, and you know what that means it means the only ingredients between you and the sun are natural coconut oil and cocoa butter hawaii's favorites that and a little lava smoke thrown in there for tanya tanya tanning butter's guaranteed to give you really deep hawaiian tan faster than you ever thought possible it's so fast in fact that you might even burn a little bit but we've all done that not enough to hurt though if you want the deepest, fastest Hawaiian tan on the beach, you better pick up on some Tanya tanning butter. Prices start at a low 85 cents. That's a small price to pay. Let's face it. A deeper, faster Hawaiian tan. That's what you get when you use Tanya. And we're back. All right, Daniel, let's get into some spoilers here. Like, again, I, I'm i still kind of digesting this movie, but I will say, so we saw it on Thursday, so what are we at now? Three days later, and right. I mean, it's still playing in my mind quite a bit, and yeah, I think the more... The more time that's passed, the more I'm starting to like it, which I can't wait to go see it a second time. It's probably going to be sometime this week. I'm going to go sit down and watch it again. But I had a good time. I think probably, if I was safe to say, thus far, this is my favorite movie so far this year. We've had a few like really good ones, had a couple stinkers, and a lot of just in-the-middle okay movies this year. Yeah. And I will say, I think thus far, this is my number one. Okay. I'm not sure. I'd have to think about that real hard. Because I'm not as high on this movie as you are. I mean, that's that was to be expected. But I'm also not like, I don't hate this movie. I mean, like, yeah, it's a lot more like, I would say, like, for me, sitting down, I was watching it. We talked about it a little bit, like, when we first got out. But, it, like, it felt like very much a slow burn. And so in my, I think what made it take forever when I was watching it the first time, for me personally, is I just, like, I was waiting for something like big to happen, big, like in a big explosion of action or big, just something big to happen. You're expecting like some Tarantino to kick in. Yeah, I was ex- I'm like, when's the Tarantino going to kick in? And it doesn't kick in. I mean, the whole thing is der- till- definitely feely, feels like Tarantino as far as like storytelling goes. Yeah. I No, I agree. Like the first couple, of, the first almost two hours are sort of a slow burn. That's when you're just seen the day in the lives of everybody right but then it just that third act though they kind of speed things up a little bit it gets up to date with like they jump forward six months and then you have the um voiceover kurt russell's voiceover talking about yes, bringing which, us up to speed which i really like and then boom we get into that third act which is just glorious 
Yeah, so like I just think like part of the it like what made it go slower in my head is just I was kept like that anxious anticipation of when's it's gonna explode and turn into some crazy thing. I think for and me, it, one of the first scenes where it kind of did that a little bit was when Brad Pitt goes to the farm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like yeah, that that scene builds up a lot of tension, but I would say. Like, it doesn't really, like, explode in the way that I was thinking until, like, the very end of the movie. Right. But I still think we got some good, like, Tarantino kind of stuff, even in that scene, though. Well, like I said, I'm like, you get more... What you get from Tarantino up until that explosion of action in the third act is the great dialogue, is the great humor, the natural humor that, like, yeah, this is how people would talk to each other, you know? You don't get that enough in movies nowadays. No. It's like, well, what I love about this movie, too, is Tarantino assumes his audience intelligence, if that makes sense. He assumes his audience intelligence. Yeah. You know? Where it doesn't feel like we're being talked down to. They don't need characters to explain their plot to the other, another character, so the audience is like, oh, that's what's going on. Yeah, you don't really have that character that it's is more like, show than tell is what it is. Yeah, I guess you're right. I never thought about, I hadn't thought about that until just now. But it doesn't really have like an audience character to be sherpaed around and explain things to. It's more Which just like I'm, I get so tired of that in movies. <laughs> and I think that's one of this movie's strengths is it has that like these two buds are going into the unknown unknown territory together. They don't know what's happening. They're not really sure what they're gonna do or if they're gonna land on their feet. But they're going through this like trying time together so you're kind of unsure of what's going to happen as an audience member because the the characters that you're watching are unsure as well so what do we uh let's get into some standout moments in this like likes slash standout moments uh one for me we mentioned cliff visiting the farm so let's talk about that a little bit so that scene is great it does Uh build some good tension like i mean they made dakota fanning out to be kind of scary in a way (laughs) Because I'm like, yeah. is she going to pull a gun, a knife? What's going to happen? She was just like giving off the crazy eyes and the crazy vibes. It's just like, like leading up to that, she's like, tell me when he's coming. He's just hanging out. Well, tell me when he's coming. And then like he finally, it just like, it, it was weird. It Like she had a very well, demonic kind and of And when he comes too. into the house, he's just looking around. Because this is a place he had visited like 10 years prior when they shot right. um, a, a TV show there. Yeah. And he's just looking around like, what in the hell happened in this place? What's going on here? And like going back, trying to find the character George, he's just—I mean, I—I I mean, the tension was on. I'm like, what's gonna happen? Is somebody gonna jump out and shoot him? Yeah. Is he gonna walk in the room and get instantly shot? What's gonna happen? I mean, I was just like, wait. I mean, we were kind of like tiptoeing around with Brad Pitt's Cliff Booth, just like, what's gonna happen? Yeah, that what's was like happen? the most te- one of the most ten- like tension-filled mm-hmm. like scenes. And yeah, he's just looking for his friend. Don't know what happens to him. And then when you see he's actually in the bed, just. Taking a nap, like they well, said. Well, and, and so everything Dakota Fanning's... I can't forget, forget the name of her character, but everything, everything she was saying, at first, because when she's first telling I'm like, this girl's lying. She's yeah. BSing him. I'm just like, Turns oh. out it was all true. I know, like, they killed that guy. They killed him, but no, he's alive. And so I'm like, okay, then why lie so hard? She's like, fucked his brains out this morning. Yeah, and he's also just, just like, oh. taking, Well, they kept right. saying, he's taking his nap. And anyway, as the audience are kind of like, right, right. I know, because they're like, well, that is quite impossible because he's taking a nap. You can't see him. He's like, how is that impossible? I'll just shake him awake. But I'm like, oh, like they make it seem like, oh, he's he's dead. He's definitely dead. But he's not. He's just old and he was taking his nap. And it was just, I, I don't know. That was a really good scene. But yeah, and I think one of my first highlighted moments of that, because after that, 
sequence, he gets out of he walks out of the the house and everybody who was being all nice to him up until that point just starts yelling at him, just like, You need to get out of here. You know, at that point he's just like, Yeah, I would love to get the fuck out of this crazy town. Right. Yeah. So he goes to his car, which is actually Rick Dalton's car, Cadillac. Right. Finds the tire slash. He's like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. And then I love that the guy who did it was just sitting on like the edge of like a horse pen just laughing at him. And he's like, you're gonna, I have a spare, so you're gonna fix it. He's like, no, I'm not. And then he that just That moment's picks- great. There's him walking up, just getting closer and closer and like, yeah, you are. Like, you're gonna fix this. You're gonna change this tire. Yeah, and I love that he just punches him, and it makes a point of showing that he punches him so hard that it knocks him off his feet, like gives him air, and then he falls on his ass. That was, uh, he, that was just great. I love that part. And then he proceeds to beat the shit out of that guy until he changed the and tire. All these, all these like what, what should you call them? Hippies, flower children. We'll call them flower children. Are just standing there watching, like no, no, no. And then he's like, I'm gonna knock every one of his teeth out, like. <laughs> if anybody comes any closer, I'm gonna knock off. Yeah, that's his right. Teeth They're out. all approaching. Like I'm gonna knock his teeth out. If anyone gets any closer, they're like, okay, okay, okay. I know, and it's like all of oh, them are yelling. I love that whole moment. And it's just so funny because as he's doing that, everybody's just yelling, "Leave!" And he's just like, "I don't want to fucking be here." But he slashed my tire, so now I have to be here longer. Than I know. I he's like, be. "I would gladly leave," but he screwed it up for me. Like I'd, I'd be glad to get out of here. So I just love, I just love that whole sequence of him like making him change the tire all the kids getting mad and he's just like i don't give a shit i need i want out but i'm not changing that because that's ridiculous yeah uh that was uh well and when uh one of them goes and grabs this other guy who would take he'd take text who had taken off on a horse and when he comes back i mean because again there's tension like oh man what's Tex gonna do what's he gonna do yeah what's he gonna do and then yeah he gets back right as he's driving off I mean, I was like feeling like, oh my gosh, what's no. gonna happen to Brad Pitt? Yeah, because I mean, we don't know if he's gonna die like halfway through the movie or not. We don't. We have no idea. Yeah. So like, on my yeah, I mean, I'm sitting there at the edge of my seat. There's like this whole scene when he's on the farm. Like, oh my gosh, is is Cliff gonna get killed? Is he gonna kill? Because by this time they've built up Cliff, and I like Cliff. And I'm like, is he gonna die? I mean, I'm just like watching on the edge of my seat. What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? And what I do like is they show they demonstrate him as fighting ability, and we know he's a stunt double. They demonstrate his fighting ability earlier before that when he goes up against Jet Li. Yes. <laughs> and I liked, yeah, they show like a quick snippet in the trailers, which was perfect. Oh, that fight between them was hysterical, though. Yes, that like the dialogues between them was hilarious. I just that was another highlight scene is the fight scene. I mean, and we're in spoilers, but I laughed so hard. Because Jet Li kicks him to the ground, and then he asks him to do it again. So Jet Li goes in for another kick, and he grabs his leg and slams him into the side of a car and dents the hell out of the door. Oh, that was perfect. Because, yeah, you see in the trailer him, like, flying into the sidekick into a cliff. And then, of course, cuts. But, yeah, to see the finish thing where he grabs his leg, swings him around, bam, right into the car door. Amazing. It's just perfect. <laughs> yeah. And what was really funny is how, like, Bruce Lee was like, all right, nobody finds out about this. Nobody can know Bruce Lee was throwing his ass, basically. Yeah. Like, no one can know I lost. And I loved, uh, one of the fun things is, you know, Tarantino, like, likes to reuse his actors in different roles, which, you know, they're actors, and they do them all pretty well. But one of the ones that I noticed, well, obviously, Kurt Russell from Death Proof. Which was, like, stunt coordinator. Yes. But basically, stuntman Mike is back. Yes. And his wife is the uh, woman from Death Proof, 
that is on the hood of the car when they're driving super fast, holding on to her belts. Yeah, Chloe something. She's Uma Thurman's stunt double. Yes. So I thought that was great to have them from Death Proof playing a husband and wife couple on the set. I thought that In was great. In charge of stunts. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it was yeah, it was perfect. And yeah, it turns out it was her car. I I that was one that that was one part I just started laughing at like the fuck you do to my car? Like what the hell? I know. And then we also saw um I've only seen him in Kill Bill, but like the cowboy guy with like that has a super raspy voice. Are you talking about uh Michael Madsen? Yeah. Yeah, you see him. Are you talking about when you see him in the TV show clip? Get off the horse and talk. Like he's like the sheriff of a town, right? Yes. Okay, it is Michael Madsen that I am thinking. I had to double check. But yeah, I liked him. I like seeing him because I had just watched Kill Bill and he was one of the main characters in that one. So it was fun seeing him again as like, especially in like a cowboy with his super raspy voice. Like mm-hmm. that works well. No Uma. I thought I was kind of surprised. I mean, like maybe it's too tropey to use Uma Thurman in this movie. Yeah, they made up for it. I guess they used her daughter. Her daughter was casting this. Oh, oh yeah. You told me about that. Yeah. Her daughter's name. Let me pull it up here. She's actually in season three of Stranger Things. She plays Steve's gal. Oh. Or co-worker, I should say. I don't know if she comes Steve's gal. I'm only halfway through the season. Uh-oh. I Sorry. Bear with me. Okay. So they did have a Thurman in there. An Uma? Uh, technically a hawk. A hawk? Okay. Hold on. I don't know what the hell's wrong with my phone. Maya Hawk here, who is the daughter of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawk. So, okay. Yeah. She plays one of the flower children. She's in this. I believe she is the one that drives off at the end. Oh. In their clunky old car. I. <laughs> Which we'll talk about that whole scene coming up here. Yeah. Um, yeah any fun scenes you want to talk about? Like, I mean, I love like, when he visits the farm. I love, like, just moments between Cliff and Pussycat. Like, I really like their interactions quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love just finding out the lifestyle of Cliff in general. Like, this was a great reveal. Like when you know he's been driving Rick Dalton around in the Cadillac. Uh-huh. They pull up to Rick Dalton's house, parks the Cadillac. They say their good night, and in some ways you're like, all right, he's just gonna pull out and take off. Like he's gonna drive the Cadillac home. Like yeah. maybe, maybe that's his car. Maybe Rick bought it for him. Instead, he gets out of the Cadillac, walks around over to the little junker, gets in that, and takes off. Yeah, I and thought. Th- good oh no, I thought it was funny. Like w- w- seeing the disparity between like his lifestyle and Cliff's or. Yeah, Cliff's lifestyle and Rick's lifestyle was fun. And I also like something I didn't expect in this movie. Well, I'll say that for biggest surprise. One of the biggest surprises. Okay. But um, I don't know. So I th- it was fun seeing that. Um, you know, and I just loved learning about their relationship, like how it works. Like if they consider themselves best friends or he's just been like Rick's stunt double because he's the best. You know, so I liked, you know, learning that they're our best friends and just like following them and how they interact. Um I would say, and they kind of show the hardness. Like this got to be hard. Like when you do see their separate life, I can't talk. When you do see their separate lifestyles, I mean, it's even hard for us as the audience. I think to like, well, he's got this great lifestyle over here, living in the Hollywood Hills, and then boom, you got him living in a trailer. Yeah, and he's barely making it because he just can't get work outside of being Rick's stunt double. Right. Or at least it's the, maybe the market's drying up a little bit. And that's kind of, we're in the transition of Hollywood's golden age and like Westerns and things like that. So we're kind of in this transition here between like 50s and 60s going into the 70s. Yeah. I mean, we'll see the rise of new talent like Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese, but 
Things not are drying up. George Lucas, but Steven Spielberg, but not yet. Not yet. Things are drying up, yeah. But yeah, I, I oh man, I just, I love watching this, like, their interactions and everything so much. And there's one star in this we have not talked about yet, a little guy named Randy, who is Cliff's dog. Oh, yeah? Remember Cliff's dog? Yeah, I remember the dog. Okay. I, I was saying, we haven't talked about him yet. He's a great character in this. Oh, he was. Yeah, I talk. I love, I've never thought about dog food so much than in the last couple of days, as far as like how he would dump it. Yeah, and you would see it fall out of the can in super slow-mo and then just slam super close. Yeah, yeah, it was gross. Gross, but funny, yeah. But yeah, Randy, we'll talk more about him, I guess, in the end, too. Uh, I'm, I was trying to think here of some other ones. Well, uh, what, what, if we're talking about great scenes, I, we have to mention the scene when uh, Rick is like, giving himself like a pep talk slash lecture in his trailer. You see yes. part of it. You see some of that in the trailer. I'm so glad that that wasn't the main. I'm, 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 let me start over. I'm so glad we didn't see all of it in the trailer, the preview trailer. Yeah. Because, yeah, to see that whole scene unfold was just awesome. <laughs> when he's just talking about like, you know, he's like, oh, you. <laughs> he's just Essentially, he's just yelling at himself and like lecturing himself. He's like, you're no good alcoholic. I just love that he's like. Like, you couldn't stop having three or four whiskey sours. You had to have eight. You're a goddamn alcoholic. And then so immediately great. takes a swig out of uh, a flask, and he's like, wait. And he spits it out and, like, throws it out of his trailer. <laughs> so good. I, I feel like you and I laughed the most throughout this whole movie. I mean, I think the majority of our audience was laughing th- all throughout uh-huh. at the good parts, but I think you and I, especially at the end, with the oh shit moments where we're like really reacting. Yeah. Which was uh, uh, so good. But yeah. And I, I think one thing I love too is when they, it's morning time, he's in the trailer getting ready, getting makeup on, and he's got mm-hmm. his face in ice. Yeah. Trying to get rid of the hangover, trying to sober up. Yeah. I thought that was great. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, let's talk. We haven't talked Margot Robbie much yet. Let's talk a little bit about her. So, Margot Robbie, we see the day in the life of Sharon Tate as well. Yeah. And as far as so, I don't think we talked about this, but now there are spoilers. So the first two acts take place over two days yeah. in this. And then we skip forward six months to, you know, the day she was allegedly murdered. Right. But, um, yeah. So Margot Robbie, Sharon Tate, I loved her in this. I thought she was great. And I just loved her little scenes. I loved her quirkiness and everything. And she was so much fun to watch on screen. Yeah, I mean, she kind of just, like, plays how, like, people remember Sharon Tate as, like, a young, beautiful woman, up and coming, well, I don't know if she was up and coming or well-established in Hollywood. I don't know, I know more about the murder than I do about the actual, like, career of Sharon Tate as far as movies go. But, like, yeah, I love the scene when she goes and visits a theater and to go see one of her um, movie that she's in. And I thought that was great. Pull it up here. She is. 11, 11 movies to her credit, including The Wrecking Crew, which they showed. Okay. That was the one she went to go see in theaters. Yes. So, I mean, I liked her, like, and, you know, showed her just walking around as a star in Hollywood. She's, like, doing some errands. Then she's having fun and hanging out with friends. Went to a party at the Playboy Mansion. Uh, I thought that was a fun scene, too. And I, I love watching her and her husband interact, too. Um, producer, director. Uh, Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski, yes. That was a lot of fun watching them interact. I'm going to say this, F the critics, like all these people saying like, oh, she didn't have too much line of dialogue. What's she going to do? Walk the streets and talk to herself? Sit in a movie theater and talk to herself? This isn't Portland. That that would be rude. This isn't 2019 Portland. Like, come on, people. 
Yeah, I know. And like, that's the thing. Like, the Sharon Tate and Charlie Manson, they're all the backdrop to the DiCaprio and uh, Brad Pitt. So, when you in the context, it makes sense. Because, like, I was actually surprised that she didn't have, she wasn't more in the movie. Or, like, I don't know. Like, again, it's one of those subverted expectations. Well, a lot of times, too, she's dancing by herself in her house or with friends. But, yeah, when yeah. she's with people, she's talking. So, I don't know. I'm just saying, screw the critics as far as that criticism goes. Fair enough. Like Tarantino says, we reject your hypothesis. There you go. So, um, I'm trying to think. What else? I, I don't know if there's anything else that I really sticks out in my head besides, you know, uh, well, not really anything that we haven't mentioned already before besides the third act. You want to get into that? Is there anything else that you have before we uh, start I getting? will. I will say... Moment of silence here. It was great seeing Luke Perry one more time. Oh, yes. This is going to be it for him. His scene was a little smaller than I expected, but that's fine. It was good. Yeah. But, yeah, it was crazy. One last time seeing him on the big screen before, and, you know, that's it. Yeah, I liked it. May Luke Perry rest in peace. Yep. We take our cowboy hat off to you. Let's see here. (laughs) I know. It's, It's just a sad thing to see Luke Perry. Well, I mean, it was happy, but it was sad. Bittersweet. There we go. Bittersweet. Yeah. Um, Goodbye, Dylan. Yeah. Goodbye, Dylan McKay. Yeah. So is there any... Well, I don't know. I was trying to think of some other scenes that stood out. Oh, one one thing I want to mention before we move on, and we'll talk the finale here. Mm -hmm. The soundtrack to this was so good. Oh, yes. Like, you got, like, a, a few of the songs that they played in the trailers, but so much... Like, all the songs that they played throughout the movie, like, it felt... Fit the tone, fit fit like a summer vibe. Like it was, it was really good. Yeah, no, it fit the tone perfectly. And you know, it's not. You know, we're talking sixties. We got a couple popular songs in there, but it's not like you're not listening to the Doors or Jimi Hendrix or anything like that. Right. You're listening to just all these like I don't want to say like half name artists, but just not quite as popular. Not what they still are playing on the radio today when you hear classic rock stations. Right, they're more like holdouts from older generations than the 60s. But like yeah, what, what what a cool soundtrack, though. And one of my favorites that they played throughout this was California Dreamin'. Uh, let me pull up the guy's name real quick here. Okay, so California Dreamin'. It's, it wasn't the Mamas and the Papas like we remember. It was um, a cover by a gentleman named Jose... Uh, Feliciano. Feliciano. And I thought he did a great cover of the song. I've never heard it before, but I thought it was awesome. And I believe, is it when Cliff is driving, you hear the song come up? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I thought that was really cool. What I listened to the song start to finish on the soundtrack, and it, it's kind of cool. It's towards the end. It transitions from English into Spanish. So I thought that was neat. Cool version of that song. But yeah, there's oh, so many good things in here. You still have Simon and Garfunkel. But yeah, you've got Neil Diamond on here. Deep Purple. Yeah, awesome soundtrack though. Like I've been listening to it on Spotify the last few days, and I love it. Yeah, I probably should listen to it tomorrow. I mean, like driving around in the sun sounds perfect. Yeah, it was kind of fun too with the soundtrack, as they put in these like old '60s commercials all throughout, and they're kind of sprinkled through. It's so much fun, and you got people make it sound like you're listening to like old '60s Los Angeles radio. That's awesome. But anyway, fun soundtrack. Well, why don't we talk this end here? So I'm gonna say, despite the kind of slow burn in the first two acts. The third act, where it started to take off a little bit, all worth it. Because, man, was that ending satisfying. See, I think that's how I felt coming out of it. I would like to see it again. Because I want to know if, like, is it just because I needed something, like, 
big to happen. Like, that's the whole reason I, like, or what I was expecting to happen the entire time. So when it finally happened, I'm like, oh, thank God. Or, I don't know. I think it'll, like I said, I think this will go down a lot smoother for me personally once we rewatch it. I think so. But, yeah, like, that third act, and especially leading up to that last just crazy, like, scene is... Because everything has, Amazing. like I said, has good fluid all throughout. Like, there's good flow between character to character. Everything's yeah. got good fluid. But yeah, I think it'll go down a lot smoother upon second viewing. Once you know what to expect and what you're in for. So, I don't know much. Well, let's see here. I kind of want to talk about the ending bit by bit. First, I want to say I did like um, when Kurt Russell's voiceover is pulling us back up to speed with what's happened in the last six months. Yes. How they went to France. To go film. Yeah. Rick meets a lady. Meets her. Or meets her. <laughs> Rick meets a gal. They get married. They, you know, they all come back to the U.S. And, you know, they're going to start their lifestyle as a new married couple. Uh-huh. And everything like that. And just, yeah, just fun getting back up to speed with that. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the night of everybody's, you know, going in as an audience, too, that kind of knows about the Manson murders. You're thinking, okay, this is it. Sharon Tate, who's very pregnant, is about to get murdered. Yeah, she's going to get murdered. And it's going to be brutal. How is Quentin Tarantino going to go about doing it? Is he going to be, like, sympathetic to it? What's going to happen? Like, we don't know. But I love the buildup of everything, because you've got the four flower children hippies. (laughs) Damn dirty hippies. (laughs) You can put them right up there with Head Sheeran. I don't like hippies. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you have them driving up the private drive because I guess we haven't mentioned this, but yes, Cliff or not Cliff Booth, but um, Rick Dalton and Sharon Tate live right next door to each other. They haven't actually met each other yet. I think they maybe seen each other from a short distance, but haven't actually formally met. Right. So, but yeah, they're neighbors, and they drive up and they're kind of planning out their uh, attack. And you know, by this time, you know Rick. And Cliff have come back. They've been drinking. Cliff goes, or no, yeah, Cliff has that um, what acid cigarette or something. Uh, yes, acid dipped cigarette. Acid dipped cigarette. So he, he's got he's taking the dog for a walk, but yeah, he's starting to kind of lose it because he's smoking that as he's walking the dog. Right. And Rick Dalton's just making a mixed drink, margarita or whatever. When they're already plastered at that. And point. they're already yeah, they went out to a restaurant and got plastered, so they're already plastered. He's making a drink, and th- that car's making all kinds of noise like what the hell this is a private drive goes out there his his confronting them was just i thought great just yelling at them like the hell are you doing like get that piece of shit out of here yeah like this is a private drive what are you doing you just come up here to have a quick smoke get out of here he's like well you just come up here to smoke dope right and they're like well no and he's like get out so good and then finally they're like wait was that rick dalton from the tv show is that him bounty law bounty law so what did they do? They went down, back down the hill because they're like, all right, well, we got to park here and sneak up. And right. then one of them forgets her knife or something in the car uh-huh. and then ends up driving off, leaving them. So it's three of them. And they're like, all right, whatever. But they, I forget what, what in their mind, what changed that they're like, all right, well, before we go take on the Sharon Tate gal, we're going to go take this guy on and kill him first. Oh, one of the, one of the, eyewitness the girl. Kill- yeah. One of the girls was just like either super high or was super high previously. Which is like, I just, we should kill all the people that, like, she was, like, going on a little tirade. She's like, we should kill all the people that taught us to kill. And every, the only thing that's on right. TV is just killing. So that's when they decide, well, we're going to go kill the guy from Bounty Law. 
Sounds about right for that kind of logic. Yeah. Let's kill who teaches us to kill. Exactly. So they go and break. Let's get back at them by killing. Right. And that I love the setup for that scene because when they're breaking into the house, Brad Pitt is back inside the house, high, trying to figure out how to get his dog some dog food. And Leonardo DiCaprio or Cliff is in the pool. He's back with in his headphones, pool, with headphones on, on, listening to music, I think. Right. And his wife is asleep. And the wife's the in the back room asleep. Yeah. But, and the building up to everything was just great because, yeah, you got the one gal comes in from the back door. You got Rex comes in the front door and the other gal. It texts. Or texts Rex. <laughs> and, oh, man. It just everything the way it unfolded. I mean, the tension's good. You're like, again, made up characters. We're like, are they going to shoot Cliff? I have no idea. Yeah. Are they going to shoot Cliff and go out into the pool and shoot Rick and then go up to Sharon Tate's house and kill her brutally? Like, we have no idea. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was assuming was going to happen is like, they're going to kill them and then they're going to go up there and kill Sharon. Yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen. And then we get the Tarantino action kicks in. And it all starts with good old Randy. Yes. Runs up, starts buying the... I mean, this whole scene unfolding, I think you and I were the most vocal in the theater. We're just like, oh, oh, oh shit, oh. I mean, we were on, I remember you and I both were on the edge of our seats. Yeah, we were on fire. Like, I mean, the whole fight scene doesn't last more than a few minutes. Well, I mean. Yeah. It's a couple minutes, yeah. But it is like so much of what you expect from Tarantino, but it like, it was so good. I mean, it kicks off with the dog biting the guy, but then it really kicks off. Because that guy's distracted. The guy with the gun is distracted. So the girl with the knife starts running up towards Cliff. And, you know, he's he is tripping out. So you don't still don't know if he's just going to fumble. Even though we know we can fight, we don't know if he's going to fumble and just get stabbed yeah. instantly. We don't know. Then all of a sudden, turns around and just chucks a can of dog food at her face, just smashing her nose in. And that was just glorious. Yeah, I think my favorite part of the whole fight scene... Well, one of my favorite But then he ta- there's a, the second girl... Runs up and he like hits, grabs her hair and hits her against a telephone like three or four Just times. Like repeatedly, bam, bam, ring. I mean, hit, hear the bell inside. <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, so good. I know. It's just one of the things you have to see the scene firsthand because like us describing it, it sounds like dog shit, but it's awesome. Right. And, and they go back and find Rick's wife, too. We don't know if they're going to kill her as well. Yeah. I mean, anybody at this point could die because we have no clue. And then all of a sudden you see it was the girl that got her nose smashed in. She falls through a glass into the backyard. And that's when like Rick is like, what the hell's going on? Holy crap. And she falls in the pool. I mean, her face is just, I mean, she's been punched a few times too. Her face yeah. is just hurting. She's got glass now inside her face. So she's just freaking out in the pool. Starts firing the gun in the air. Rick falls, gets out. Runs into like the pool house or the shed, and yeah, I'm thinking like, okay, maybe he's got a gun in there, maybe something, maybe a bat. He's gonna get something in there. Bat, a hammer, something. Now, granted, I I did see it on the ground earlier in a shot when uh, Cliff was in the place, but I had kind of forgotten about it. So when he walked out, fully armed with that flamethrower, I was just like, I think I just started clapping, like, oh, it's going down, and sure enough, no. just torches the chick just torches the chick in the pool and she just like her face melts off essentially and then she just falls down to the water and the flames go out but you're like holy shit yeah i because i was even surprised because i did not see it when brad pitt was in that shed earlier in the movie so i didn't see it even that much more of a good surprise for you yeah <laughs> that was uh what a conclusion to that whole scene though i oh, i thought it was perfect 
But yeah, I gotta say, it's brutal, but a lot of fun. It's like Tarantino, like you know him to be. And then that brings us to like the biggest subversion is like Cliff and Cliff and Rick kill all of the Manson murderers. And then we like, I mean, and then, you know, the uh, and I forgot how we, I forgot how we killed text too. like sidewalk chomping them. Oh, yeah. Oof. That was brutal. Anyway, but yeah, we're in spoilers. Doesn't matter. But yeah, which leads to one of my favorite parts too is when Rick and Sharon meet for the first time and they're giving each other hugs and everything. Like, oh hey, nice to meet you. I mean, it's, it's glorious. I mean, yeah. But I mean, you've seen Glory Bastards. Never mind. Daniel hasn't. I know the subversion at the end of that movie. All right, all right. I know they kill Hitler. Yes. So yeah, it's one of those like historic fiction where we're like, we can subvert this. But it's also know. like a happy ending to a fairy tale, which is hint once upon a time yeah exactly so yeah anyway some people already think i've heard or having problems with this ending i think most aren't though i for one am not i thought it was a great ending to a movie and i also heard that sharon tate's family also was a fan that they didn't like you know because we have true crime up the wazoo these days it's just been hashed out a million times so they're just kind of happy that he chose to subvert that's that's i didn't know that that's cool to hear yeah I, i read an article about that today i think or yesterday. But, yeah. So, it's, you know, they they thought that they treated Sharon Tate's memory with respect. So, I'm like, perfect. No. That's awesome. That's so, good enough everybody for wins. Exactly. All right. Yeah, I'm just trying to think here to wrap this up. I guess we'll... Uh, any dislikes? Uh, I, only, I only have one, which is kind of just the pacing of the first couple acts a little bit. But I think upon rewatch, I'll get over it. I think so, too. I think that's just my biggest gripe is it was felt like such a slow burn up until that last act or maybe even that last scene for me. But yeah, so I would say, like I said, I wouldn't recommend this to everybody if you just can't sit through a movie that methodical and it's just like taking so long for things to start happening or feel like they're starting to happen. Yeah, I think as far as biggest surprise goes, I guess it's just how the movie unfolded was kind of the biggest surprise for me. Yes, I'd say that. I mean, Sharon Tate not getting murdered. And also, one of the fun surprises is they would describe something and then you'd see like a cut a cut scene and it'd like be like a flashback to something that they were just talking about, yeah. which I wasn't expecting, but was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was cool. And Kurt Russell's narration from time to time was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's a standout moment for you? For me, it's just the ending. That end scene inside the house, was glorious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's literally just that end scene. It like makes it for me. Oh, another great moment too, which if you see this in theaters, obviously if you're in spoilers, you know, is that mid credit scene. I thought that was great. Yes. Yeah, stay for after credits. It's amazing. Definitely worth it. All right. Well, I guess nothing to do, but grade this out. You ready? Yeah. So I'm going to say for me, a solid a, and the reason I don't give it a plus is I think it is because while it is a great movie, definitely a great Tarantino film. It's not my favorite of Tarantino films, but again, upon rewatch, I might like it more. But for now, I'm going to give it a nice solid A. Okay. As far as entertainment level and everything goes, definitely nine out of ten. Okay. So I would say for me, a little bit. Uh, I would say just a minus. Like I said, it just moves towards the beginning, way too slow for me. But at the same time, it could change on rewatch. I could see that very much something that would change. Um, as far as entertainment-wise, oh, 
I don't know. I, I got to give it like an eight. It, yeah, I thought about seven, probably like an eight, just because like, well, it's not, it doesn't, it's a slow pace. But like I said, I love the interactions. I love the jokes. I love the humor. I thought all the jokes in it worked and it, I, it was hilarious when they were just talking and joking around with each other. So I think that's one of Tarantino's strongest like suits that he does in his writing is writes organic, funny dialogue. Yeah, I mean, overall, great cast, great acting, great directing, great sets, great soundtrack. This movie just worked for me. Like I said, I think I really do think so far this is my favorite movie of the year. You could say, well, you're just a little biased towards Tarantino. I mean, yes, I am. Everybody's biased against something, and that's okay. So anyway, you have a A minus and a solid A right there. Yeah. So, why don't we move on here to some gambling? But first, a word from our sponsors. There's a heavenly fragrance that clings. It's heaven sent. Suddenly, you're an imp wearing angels' wings. In heaven sent. Suddenly, you are all of the things that you want to be. A little bit naughty, but heavenly. In heaven sent. Heaven sent fragrance by Helena Rubenstein. Spray it on, and heavenly things happen. Heaven sent. Splash in it, laugh in it, live in it, love in it. You'll find heaven sent fragrance at Helena Rubenstein counters everywhere. Los Angeles weather. Low overcast tonight, low around 58, mostly sunny tomorrow with a high near 68. No smog beaches now, 62. Valley 66, downtown 65. Orings County, 66. Okay, all right, Daniel, let's do some gambling here. So, last week we gambled on, what was it, skin? Yes. And I guessed 80%. You guessed eighty percent. And you guessed seventy? I and guessed seventy. At the time of recording it was eighty seven, right? Right. All right. So as of right now, what are we at for skin? Oh man, it went I've actually looked at this a couple times throughout the day because when I checked it at ten AM today, it was at seventy five percent. It dropped? Yeah. Pretty good too. And that put it right in the middle of us. We started recording. It was at 77%. Oh, man. And now, with about 10 more reviews than when we started, it is down to 73%. You can see it. 73%. But it's... I checked it today. I'm like, oh, man, Jordan's going to win. No way. And then it went to the middle. I thought I'm for like, sure at 87. I'm like, oh, I got this week. Sweet. All ins- oh, are you serious? Yeah. So it even... Like, you were winning when we hit record. All right. Well... <laughs> You heard it, folks. Daniel is the winner this week. Daniel, Woo. what are you going to sign me? Woo! I don't know. I have to think about it for a sec because I saw the 70%, 77%. I'm like, shit, Jordan won. But goes to show it can change in an instant. Um, Let's see. What did you have on your list? What did I have on my list? Dang it. I had something. Ah, uh, I wanted to give you some good. Damn it. You've seen Zombieland, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Damn it. Um, ah, I had something. Better make it good. What was your list of things that you'd never seen? Were you not listening to the last episode, Daniel? No. I mean, well, I was, but, you know, it's like an hour later. You need to hear him? Yeah. So... 
The movie that I'm going to assign Jordan, it is on Netflix, so no worries there. But it is something that I don't think you ever saw, but we both had an interest of seeing the Hell or High Water with Jeff Bridges and Chris Pine. Okay. They have yes, that on I Netflix. I still right have now. not seen that, so okay. And a cool hour 40, so not even that well, long. Well, that's good because uh, this Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has got me wanting to watch A, old movies in general. Like, I'd actually would like to go watch some of Sharon Tate's movies and kind of see like what she was At like. least The Wrecking Crew. Well, this made me want to go watch old 60s movies and mm-hmm. westerns, so yeah, this will be perfect. Yeah, perfect. I'm like, I knew I had something good. Hell or High Water. All right, Hell or High Water. So. This week for gambling, I was thinking we should gamble on. I've not seen anything for this. The new Hobbs and Shaw. Ooh. Whatever the hell. Whatever the hell that like trailer song is. Just like, I, I don't even remember. We've seen the trailer so many times. Oh, I thought like, you were mimicking them when they, instead of guns, they pull out all these like. No, no, I wasn't talking about. I was just talking about the old just weapons, just like, beating the ground. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> just, I, I don't know. That's like it's not even a song. It's so, we've like had eight Fast and Furious movies. I've seen two of the eight. First spinoff. These movies know what they are. So, like, I don't know. Is it in, you? This people, is tough. I don't. It's definitely not going to be like eighty to ninety. Certified fresh kind of stuff, but is it just barely fresh? Is it in the middle of rotten, or is it just sucky, 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 like down in the 20s or teens? Well, what I think is that people, this franchise is super self-aware, knows exactly what it is. Doesn't mean critics are going to like it, though. But I think critics like are like, okay, for this, like, I mean, I mean, for some critics at least, like, they know, like, okay, this is what kind of movie these movies are. This is the type of movie that these movies know they are best at so you think critics will be like okay i'm not going to see casablanca i'm seeing fast and furious but fast and furious knows how to be fast and the furious right but how many certified freshes does jason statham have i don't think any maybe one transporter movie maybe i have no idea this could be a first form if it's certified fresh i have no idea though i have no clue i haven't seen anything for this no thumbnails on youtube i'm just gonna all right you know i I wrote down a number man okay i'm uh, do you want to Google search it too? I, I'll Make pull it. it up. Okay, I wrote down my number. All right, so yeah, we'll we'll cut down to okay. All right, so I wrote down fifty four. I think it's gonna be not quite fresh, but still kind of up there a little bit, somewhere in the middle. Okay. Well, I wrote down sixty five. Like, cause these seems. I think that's probably gonna be a little bit more in 54 because i think it's mostly because people know how to judge this movie they know exactly what these movies are and these movies know exactly what they are too so i think people kind of just like judge them by that let's see now i don't i'm like i don't know if i'm supposed to search hobbs and shaw or you know fast and furious presents hobbs and shaw i think hobbs and shaw okay so as of right now there is no score. Uh oh. Well, I mean, but like that doesn't seem to be as big of a deal as well, we initially thought. Because I guess it's I read enough. Actually, sent you a video on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's more common for people just to not release um, the scores until close, even if it's a good movie. They're still just a couple days away. 
I mean, it worked in Crawl's favor. I mean, I thought for sure that was going to be like in the teens. <laughs> I know. I still got to rent that at some point. I'm not going to go see it in theaters. <laughs> I might have second run and for $4, but well, okay, pl- so no score yet. Well, the tension is building. We'll 65.54, almost 10% away. I feel like this might be a solid win for me, though. I feel like 65 was the low end. All right. Well, we will see come next week. Let's wrap this up here, Daniel. Let everybody know where they can find us. You can find us online on Instagram and Twitter, movies underscore brews. You can let us know what you're excited to see, if you're excited for the new Hobbs and Jaw, Fast and Furious Presents. And let us know what you thought of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Loved it, hated it, needed more Hollywood, needed more Sharon Tate, needed more murder. Let us know. Thanks, everybody, for downloading the podcast. Thanks for sharing it with friends. We appreciate it. We see our numbers growing, and it's awesome. But, yeah, let's keep that going. And, yeah, we love just entertaining you. This week we recorded a little bonus episode. We sat down and we did a top ten list here. The top ten movies we're ashamed to say we've never seen. So, yeah, check out that episode. And we'll talk to you later on Movies and Brews. Cheers! Oye, mira, yo quiero gozar en California porque yo me siento tan bien y por eso yo te quiero porque tú me tratas bien en California. Mira, no seas tan mala, nena, no me trates así que yo me quiero morir, muchachita, por tu amor, por tu amor, nada más. Oye, no me digas que no porque yo... Oye, mulata, mira, baby, en California dreaming. It doesn't matter how you say it. All I want to say is I love, I, I love California, baby, yeah. I really love, I really love, I really need.